Welcome to the Como Factor podcast, where the conversations are authentic, the stories are inspirational, and people-centric transformation is always on the agenda. I'm your host, Christine Strobush. And I'm Sonal Trevetti. Today, we are honored to have Brent Kirby on the show. Brent is an innovative and encouraging business leader who is passionate about making an impact on the lives of people around him. He is general counsel, vice president, and an investment committee member with Urban Oil and Gas Group, a private equity-backed energy company. He is part of a leadership team that has helped grow the company by over 500% over the last nine years. Brent is also an active community leader dedicated to giving back to the community by serving his neighborhood as an HOA board member, serving the town of Prosper as the vice chair of the Community Engagement Committee, and coaching youth football and basketball. Last but certainly not least, Brent is a devoted and loving husband to a wonderful wife of 15 years and a father to two incredible children age 9 and 10. Welcome to the Como Factor Podcast, Brent. We are so happy to have you with us today. Excited to talk with you all and and, and uh, hopefully do do well like a lot of the previous episodes I've listened to. Oh, you're you're going to do amazing. You uh, your story is inspiring, and you are a natural communicator. So, and I know that for a fact, having you know worked with you on the Prosper Committee. So, well, thank you so much. I am blushing. Oh, well, you're welcome. So I'm just going to hit you up. We're just going to jump right in. Brent, if your life story were published in a book, what would the book title be and what would the book cover say? That is such a phenomenal question. And I did know it was coming because I've listened to some <laughs> of the episodes. And, and, you know, I've been battling in my mind because there, there's one one title that I really wanted to go with, which is The Sun is Always Shining, because I tend to be an optimist. But oh. really, the one that I think w- would describe my life the most would be On God's Time, right? And and the cover, if you've ever seen one of those cartoons where you've got like a small kid or a scrappy looking person that's like flailing their fist in a fight, and then on the other side of them is a much larger person with one hand holding them still. That's, yes. that's kind of that would be on the cover. So it would be a person being held back by another person on the other side of that much bigger person would be all the things that a, uh, you know, society would t- traditionally tell you you would want, like a big house and a boat and a car and, and piles of money and all that kind of stuff. So So that would be the front cover. And then on the back cover. You would have those two people, but but their positions would be inversed, right? You would have the the bigger person would actually be pushing the smaller person forward, and they'd be pushing them towards all the things that we really need in life, like family and friends and community and a house and all that kind of stuff. So so that would be the book and then the kind of the front and back cover for my life story. I can picture the book. And I got to say, I'm pretty sure you're the first person that has ever described the back cover. So you're just an, <laughs> over, <laughs> an overachiever, I think. But I love it because you, you get kind of the, the two images so clearly. Yeah, well, well thank you. And, and, and honestly, I think I had that in my mind because 
it, it, it's kind of that life transition where, where you realize, you know, so many of the things that you had fought for and might have wanted in life and and didn't get or got them later, but not on your time, you know, ultimately you weren't being held back. You were being pushed forward. It was just not on your time and possibly not exactly in the way you wanted. So that's why they kind of had that vision of the, the front and back covers. That's powerful. I can't wait. I can't wait to read this book, right? Because you're going to write it, right? <laughs> oh, absolutely. If not, if not that, then another one. Okay. So we have an idea here. We know that you're making that pivot towards um, something. So could you share with us maybe a few of your life goals? And we know and we're going to get into this. We know you've accomplished so much in your life already, and you're still very young. But as we look forward to your life goals, what would you what would you say are some of those goals? You know, again, another great question. So, so for me, family is super important. Um, I was lucky enough to have have a, a a father and mother and even grandparents that prioritize family. So one of my biggest life goals is to make sure that I am here for for my wife and that I'm an active participant in my children's lives. And so you've got that, which kind of is an overarching goal that that's super important. And then you've got things that are more on the, I guess, personal uh, development professional side. Uh, and right now, again, I am kind of in that transition where I've met a lot of the goals that I had set out earlier in my career. And so I'm looking forward to what does that next chapter look like? And for me, it really is finding a way to further help others, right? To, to kind of use some of the lessons I've learned, the experience I've been lucky enough to gain to help others you know, find fulfillment, find their purpose, uh, and and really grow for them. So more specifically, though, I, I do envision that turning into hopefully a book I've been working on a little bit, and, uh, you know, hopefully have some way to just share daily truth and inspiration with people. So they have always got a place to look for positivity. Oh, you're, you're making me smile. I love it. I love it. And uh, and I, I can attest firsthand. I'll just uh, I'm going to deviate here on a little story. So last fall, so that would have been fall of 2022. Um, first season, my son ever played flag football. He's on a great team. We love the team. Great team dynamics. And we kept hearing about this team that was like so good. And uh, it turns out you were the coach of that team. And you guys. <laughs> Did extremely well. I'm like, yeah, we've got, we've got a fierce, uh, some fierce competition. But look who who's coaching that team. Uh, you know, I remember that game, and I, and what's funny, I was so happy to see see y'all afterwards. And and again, going back to to coaching, I remember my, you know, it's my son's team. We've got a couple of coaches. And uh, one day, I was asking my son, I was like, you know, do you feel like it's time for me to not be your coach and, and that you're ready to kind of be on your own? Which, by the way, now he said yes, but at that time he oh. said no. Yeah, and, but at the time he said no, and I was like, "Well, why is that?" And he's like, "Well, you're the encouraging coach." <laughs> he was like, Aww. "He was like, you're hard on us, but you're always encouraging us." And so I'm, st I, I don't want to lose that element of it. So, so uh, yeah, that's always kind of been my my coaching approach. Your your learnings from that story, I think every single listener that is listening to this podcast is going to walk away with something. So can we dive in? Oh, I would absolutely love to. 
you know, maybe share a story or two about um, one of your more significant personal transformations. For background, I know you you said it at the beginning, but I am an attorney, and and part of that that is the kind of fighting uh, mentality that I've always had in life. I've always been a bit of a fighter, and you know, as you grow, you start realizing you know how that impacts your life, and and being a fighter causes you to be a lot, a little bit more self-focused, right? Because everything is a competition. And, you know, I think a lot of people who are listening might be able to associate with what I've experienced, but a lot of us have made it and been successful because to a certain extent, we're self-focused, right? We might not think of it that way, but but we want to be the best or, or, or we want to, you know, make the most, or we want to get that next promotion. And so, so you know, I, I've always been a little bit of that, driven, self-focused, fighting, trying to get what I want. And uh, to, to a large extent, I think that can be very helpful in a traditional career. But at some point you wake up one day and you think, well, what else is there, right? And and so for me, one of the big transitions was realizing that I was getting so much of my self-worth from the accomplishments and the achievements that that I've been trying to rack up in life, but that those really are hollow. And at the end of the day, they're never ending, right? You can't get enough achievements or enough accomplishments to be able to sit back and say, okay, I'm done, right? And, and so I think that was one of those pivotal moments uh, that kind of kicked me into gear on realizing, hey, I need to get some clarity about what I want in life and, and what really matters. So, so you know, I guess kind of at that point and, and stepping back a second, a lot of that also happened because I was going through the uh, passing of my father at the time. And like I said, my father was a businessman. He was successful. He was a, he was a great mentor and a great father. And, uh, you know, when I lost him, I remember my brothers and I being at his house and we were just cleaning out and there was so much stuff that we're just getting rid of, giving away, throwing away, trying to donate. And, and it, it truly set in that notion of someday when we pass, everything we've accumulate, accumulated doesn't matter. Right. And, and, and somebody will be going through my stuff and, and they will be giving it away. And what matters really is the impact that we make on others' lives because that is what outlives us. Yeah, so, so it was kind of that that thought and that experience that made me start thinking, okay, how do I, I shift my mindset? How, how do I personally and professionally get walk away from a bit of the self-focus? And, and again, that doesn't mean I can't have goals. It doesn't mean I can't seek to achieve but how do I change the source of that of that underlying desire to helping others versus something that would just help myself? So, so kind of that that whole redefining of self worth and and finding worth not in my accomplishments but on what I can do to help others has been a really big personal transformation uh, that I've undergone over the last several years. What I was going to ask is, you know, first I'm I'm really sorry. I mean, it's I losing a parent is. It is a huge life change. And, and I'm really sorry that you had to go through that. Um, but I think being so reflective 
and really, you know, I, I can just see what you're describing, you know, going through your father's things and saying, it's not the things that matter. It's the, it's the people, you know, exactly. the impact that you have, it's the impact that you have on, on people. And, um, and I'll say, I'm not sure if you've listened to this, but we've recently, um, over the last couple of episodes have done a, a mini series on the Enneagram and what I hear, I don't, are you familiar with the Enneagram? Vaguely, vaguely. I've okay. not caught up to those episodes yet. Okay. Well, so, and I will, I'll just very briefly summarize, you know, there's these different, um, there's nine different types. And one of them is a number three, which I think is what you are, which is an achiever. You're driven by like achieving an accomplishment, which I'm identifying that because that's how I am. And, um, and so you might be interested in that and that we, we, we provided a lot of information on just motivation and and being healthy and what leaders look like and so on. And for me being a, a, a type three achiever, you know, one of the things that I went through over the last couple of years also is I, you know, I spent so much of my career being a human doing. It was just all about what I did and what I accomplished that I've been transitioning into just trying to be a human being and making an impact. And uh, it does, like you said, it doesn't mean you don't have goals and, and all of that, but it takes some very intentional work to, to kind of pivot. So that's what I'm hearing from you. Oh, absolutely. And and I love the way you just said that, Christine, that a, a human doing versus a human being. Mm-hmm. But because and again, it's I think you find it so very frequently in in certain leaders, especially as people that have climbed the, the ladder, that, that that constant seeking to achieve. And I think that it's so easy for it to get ingrained in us, even as from a young age on, okay try and make all A's. And now you try and go to college and, oh, if you're going to do this, go be the best at it. Right. And so it kind of gets us into this habit of trying to be the best, trying to achieve. And and I don't I never I don't think I was ever intentionally selfish. I think it was just that mindset of trying to be the best and achieving, which to a certain extent does create a little bit of selfishness if you're not focused on the underlying, why am I doing this? Yeah, I think you're, uh, I think you're absolutely right. So, so here you are, you're, you're reflecting, you're going through and grieving the loss of your father So how did you go through, you know, from that into really getting clarity to say, I need to adapt the way I'm, I'm living life, I guess. The level of stubborn and obstinance I have (laughs) that it took a couple (laughs) of more things to get me to the point where I actually realized, wait, there's change needed. So again, I, I am lucky enough to be a part of a great company. Um, we are a growth company, you know, so we're in that fun process where we've, we've gotten bigger and bigger and I wouldn't trade it for anything. It's been a phenomenal experience, but also there is a lot of stress and a lot of obligations and a lot of newness that comes with that. And so we had gone through a period, uh, and I'll, I, I think the trigger point was I, I'm in charge of two teams. And I had a handful of employees and over the course of three months, because of a couple of different situations, people moving, people getting married, and then somebody just having a mental breakdown, I found myself with no employees. 
I was like, oh my goodness. And we were in a super busy time. So I was trying to, you know, keep the the boat, you know, rowing, but but again, trying to do it by myself and finding temporary people. And ultimately I had a rebuilt team that was super stronger than what I had before, but still it was this overwhelming level of stress. And, and then on top of that, um, and again, this is not about pity, but then I lost my mother. And so oh. during that time, right, it, it took a couple of more kind of beatdowns for me to finally hit that that uh, point of what I would call burnout. And I know a lot of people have experienced mm-hmm. that, but you, it's just you get to that point where you're thinking, you know, this, this there this is the straw that is breaking the camel's back. Right. Like it's officially at that point where I I cannot do it. I am not strong enough. I have to find a solution to bring balance and bring uh, change to my life. So long way of saying it took additional uh, uh, trials in life to really get me to the point where I was willing to say, okay, I'm going to hit stop and I'm going to find the path out, right? I'm in the hole. I'm going to stop digging. And now I'm going to try and to, to create what is the path forward look like? Um, And so, so at that point, for me, the the clarity was okay. I need to I need to turn back to principles that that I I kind of have floating around in my head, but but I haven't thought about in a while. <clears throat> and so for me, those were both religious principles, but they were also kind of I don't want to call it self help principles, but but kind of finding purpose, finding clarity mm-hmm. type principles. So yep. I started doing a lot of reading. Um, both in my Bible, but also uh, with different writers that that I like. And honestly, one of my favorites, he, he's probably less famous than most, but if you're from the Dallas area, you might know him, but Zig Ziglar. Uh, oh, yeah. He is, a, he is a phenomenal, <laughs> inspirational writer. But I, I would, I, and, and, and he came to mind because he, 20 plus years ago, when I was in a different part of Dallas and I went to Prestonwood Church, he taught a class called the Encouragers class. And uh, and so that that's what popped into my mind. And so I started looking up his materials and just that really helped set me on a right path of realizing, okay, I need, you know, first thing I need to do is find balance. And so I sat down with a yellow pad of paper and it was like, well, what does that look like? Right. I've got family. I've got mental health. I've got physical health. I've got professional health. And I just went category by category and said, what does it look like to get healthy? in each one of these areas. Um, and, and, and then from there, I literally went through and said, okay, well, if, if, if for mental health, it means I've got time each day to decompress, where is that, right? Where in the day? And I, I picked the time frame, right? Physical health, where in the day am I getting that workout? And so it kind of just kind of outlined the map of here's what it can look like to bring balance back to life. And really, gives the hope and the insight to what the future can look like. Absolutely. So Brent, um, tell us about a professional transformation uh, journey that uh, that's really impacted you. Yeah, yeah, I I would love to. And and again, it's kind of a continuation of that personal uh, changes that also can lead over into professional professional changes. Right. And uh, you know, so so that same notion carried through to my professional career over the last several years, which was that notion of okay, how do I how do I become 
less me focused? How do I even become less just my team focused and really focus on other teams, right? Helping get what we need by helping others, right? And, And there's a, there's a quote by Zig Ziglar that I love, which is basically, you know, you can have everything you want in life if you'll just help enough other people get what they want. And, uh, and, you know, that really started taking a hold of me w- with my professional career because, you know, we've all had those situations where there's somebody that we might be frustrated with within our organization where they're not, you know, doing what we need from them. Maybe they're not communicating with us in the way that we want to be communicated with or whatever, for whatever reason, we feel like, you know, we're not getting our needs met. And it dawned on me, you know, if if we can focus less about what are my needs and and focus, well, actually, I take that back. We still need to focus on what are my needs, but really take the focus step further, which is, well, how can I help this other person meet my needs? Then we can really actually have what I want. And, and so, you, you know, I've, I've seen that in practice, you know, again, I'll use an example of communication. I had a coworker who the communication channels just were not there. And I would find things out at the last minute. It would make my team's job significantly more difficult. And so, you know, at that point, you can kind of sit back and complain that you're not getting the communication you want, or you can step up and talk to them about, Hey, for me, I need this communication. So now I'm going to try and help you get me what I need, right? Let me set the meetings. Let me go ahead and set the routine calls and, you know, the checklist and whatever else is necessary so that I can empower you to provide me the communication I need. And uh, and honestly, I, I've seen just a, a change through the in how our team operates and, and uh, most of the stress points have have melted, melted away as we've taken this focus on how do we proactively help other people meet our needs versus sit back and just dwell on the fact that we're not getting what we want. Indeed. Certainly the world would truly be a better place if more people took on this mindset, but there's also reality for all of us. And I'm so glad that you used a concrete example that we can really, um, kind of dissect, right? Uh, a little bit, if you don't mind. And, you know, you talked about the fact that um, you're currently, you know, in the role of um, an executive role at, uh, at, a, at a large corporation and also serving, you know, as general counsel. And oftentimes when you take on these types of leadership roles, it's challenging as a leader to um, practice that kind of mindset, right? Because at the end of the day, we all have to be accountable when we're in in any kind of professional role. So talk to me a little bit about when you first, you know, uh, incorporated this mindset. Um, First of all, were you inspired by somebody outside? I mean, you talked a little bit about Zig Ziglar and taking the workshop. Is that where the inspiration came on um, to have this mindset? Yeah, I'd I'd love to dive in. So, you know, like I said, I'm, our organization is great. And really, you know, we, we did a, a culture project a couple of years back where we really, we wanted to redefine post COVID. What is our, our culture, right? And what does it look like? And we have a lot of guiding principles, but you know, some of those are right. 
give grace, you know, expect, you know, expect it high from everybody, but also from yourself. And, and, and so really I was looking at that little cultural statement that we had put together and, and it was that that kind of triggered this thought of, okay, what is it, you know, yeah. What does this look like? What if I'm actually trying to live this out? How can it look? Um, and, and I'll give you a great example of trying to implement it with our team. I was doing an offsite meeting with my legal team the other day. And, you know, we were going through a number of topics, but we kind of organically got a whiteboard out and started putting up, okay, let, let's, let's, let's circle where we are in the organization. And now let's circle kind of each of the other major departments. And we were going through and talking about, well, well how are we all aligned in meeting our company objectives, right? And we had a number of things, right? Uh, we're, you know, we're aligned with, you know, one group because they try and sell the assets and we want to document it. And, and, you know, we were just going through every place that we were aligned. And then we, I said, well, well now let's talk about where is their inherent conflict, right? Where do, do our desires, our group's desires versus the other group's desires have inherent conflict. And, and, you know, we identified a number of those. And a lot of times it was around, well, who's going to take ownership of the miscellaneous stuff and, and timing, they want it now versus we've got a bunch of other obligations. And so, so as we, as we identified those sources of conflict, it allowed us to kind of take on this mentality of, okay, well, how do we, how do we spur the change, right? How do we use communication and expectation setting to turn these these inherent sources of conflict into more manageable uh, obstacles, and so it, it really was just it, in in my mind a phenomenally fruitful discussion, but also allowed us to kind of take this this concept and think through how do we practically apply it, right? How do we proactively identify conflict? And then say, we're going to be the ones that take charge to alleviate it versus just letting it sit there and fester. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, you know, and what you just described is truly a shift in mindset, right? And um, oftentimes in, in the corporate world, um, in our personal lives, you know, there there are, you know, a lot of problems, but it comes back to how you approach it. Right. And, um, rather than just think of it as a problem and, and finger pointing and, Oh, it's so-and-so's person's fault or that team, you know, didn't correctly or communicate it correctly. Repositioning it, I think is truly transformational. And I think the other thing you said about helping, you know, the other individual or team, you know, to, and, and helping them to see it differently and helping them to come up with a solution, right? Oftentimes doing something that has no direct benefit to yourself, um, but means a great deal to another person. It's truly transformational. And I think that's really, really cool. So as you're sitting down with your team and going through, you know, some of these challenges um, recently, um, are there any specific tools that you lean on, you know, to get the others to maybe think in this way um, that you could maybe share with our listeners that are trying to uh, have this mindset or implement this way of thinking? Yeah, so, so there, there's two. One's conceptual, and then I'll give kind of a, a a literal like papered up kind of example. But one of the things that we push a lot, at least uh, I do with my team is the notion of own your zone, right? And, and it, it came about from football coaching, you know, a bunch of eight year old <laughs> boys 
where we're trying to teach them defense. And we were like, look, you've got a zone. It's this little square. And the other guy's got his zone and the other guy's got his zone. And if we all just own our zone, then it works. And and it (laughs) dawned on me with business, it can be so much of the same way, right? We can control what is in our zone and we cannot control what's outside. And so by pushing that mindset of, hey, let's own our zone. Let's make sure that we're doing everything right. Let's make sure that we are doing it to the best of our ability. And and again, when there's when when we're frustrated about what somebody else might be doing, let's look within our zone on what we can do that might be able to affect that frustration. And at the end of the day, if there's nothing we can do, then we have to just not worry about that frustration because we can't control everything. Um, so, so I think the conceptual notion of own your zone is you know, a large part of, of going that way. But, you know, another example is creating the tools. Um, and again, so to, I've seen in my experience, so much conflict comes when you have different groups and, and projects or tasks that overlap, right? That they require group from multiple or input from multiple groups. Um, because often you have different t- ways of operating. You have people who like to do it differently. And ultimately you can't control what somebody else does. So in that scenario, we focused a lot on, again, clear communication and clear expectation setting. And that even goes to the extent of, you know, utilizing Gantt charts, you know, to identify, hey, here's all the different aspects of the project. Here's who's going to be responsible. Let's buy off on on uh, completion timelines and getting I mean, literally, you know, instead of letting it be this nebulous concept of things that need to get done, let's put practical project management tools in place and get people to buy off on it so that we know where we're going. We all have our expectation sets and then there's less blame after the fact. So it was really taking the lead on implementing those type of solutions. Yeah, I love that. I I love that on your zone. (laughs) And sometimes we learn like the best things from from our kids, don't we? Um, And uh, that's that's really cool, because at the end of the day, you know, I think if if we don't all take ownership right of what our desired outcome is, we're not going to be um, successful, but so often it's hard. It's especially in team settings. I think it's so difficult to um, sometimes translate that, um, you know, sense of urgency and what it really means um, to take ownership. So I think that's that's really great. Um, have there been any times where, you know, you've been trying to impart that kind of wisdom onto your team members and um what did that look like? You know, so it's worked out a lot to the good. And, and uh, but truthfully, it's also there's been some people who are not on my team where the approach hasn't necessarily worked out and produced results, you know, just being honest. And I'll actually give an example of, of the flip side. You know, again, there it was a, a another a person, in another department where we've got a lot of um the projects we we are our paths cross a lot. And really what you need is good open communication. You need, you know, to be constantly sharing information. And this individual was new to the task. And it's an area that I've been, you know, operating in for years. And I remember, you know, thinking, okay, 
I'm going to do the kill him with kindness because it was not the greatest, you know, working relationship. And so I, I kept on, you know, saying, Hey, anytime you want to meet to talk through what the process is and talk through challenges that we've seen while we've been doing this. And I got nothing. Um, and, and so then I was like, okay, well then I'm going to take it the next step. And so I was, you know, send emails like, Hey, why don't we meet and we can kind of, you know, here's the process, the way that we did it. Why don't you let me know how your team's going to do it? And we can kind of, you know, compare notes and, and ultimately it didn't, didn't cause anything. Um, fast forward a year later, that individual, I think had a chance to get in the position, you know, make their own, uh, I guess face their own problems and solve their own problems. And, and then at that point, after them gaining their own experience, kind of came back and we really were able to open those lines of communication. And so I just used that example because it, it also made me realize, you know, sometimes you have to just be patient and you have to let others learn lessons on their own time. And then when they do and when they're ready, you can then retry and open up those lines of communication. Absolutely. And the other, you know, part of what you said worked for you is also being able to to create your tools. Um, and I yeah. love that because it's not a one size fits all situation. Right. I mean, people are different. Teams are different um, depending on where you're at. You talked about the covid example and, you know, how do we overcome some of the challenges post covid? Um, you have to have the ability of of kind of using, you know, different tools at different times. Um, and even the project management uh, bits that you talked about. So how does how does a leader, you know, figure out like what tools um, they should use, like at what period? Um, do you have any tips or tricks for our listeners in terms of working with, with different things in your toolbox. Um, I also imagine just with your professional background and your educational background of, of being, you know, an attorney, <laughs> there's always the stereotypes. It's very black and white, you know, <laughs> for these types of, of professionals, but it also seems like you have a lot of empathy and awareness, um, you know, from a people perspective, um, is there something that served you well in, in terms of gauging, you know, when to use these different tools? Yeah, you know, I think I think a lot of it comes down to being able to step back. Read a situation and try and simplify it down to its most basic elements. Right. Um, every every interaction at work is a relationship. Um, just like our relationships at home, you know, and, uh -huh. and when you when you try and simplify it, you realize the root of of stress and the root of problems in almost any relationship is communications and expectations. Right. And 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 if we can figure out where there's misalignment. Right. Is it is it on the communication side or is it on the expectation side? then you can start identifying, well, what is the the tool that might help us bring alignment, right? Um, because you have typically, just like in, in home relationships, the issue is that two people want different things, and yet they've got to find a way to work together. And so I really do think, for me, it has been stepping back, 
identifying the root of the problem and then figuring out again, is it as simple as setting up meetings? Is it as simple as giving weekly updates? So somebody feels like they're, they're getting it. Is it as simple as letting somebody else talk because we all have the inherent desire to want to be heard? Um, you know, so, so, so to me, that's kind of the, the key to identifying what is the tool that you might need to start looking to implement. That's great advice. It's really dawned on me that you've somehow found a way to integrate, you know, uh, both sides of your life. And, and, and that's beautiful because at Come On, we're all about the holistic transformation. And, you know, people go through different periods in their life where one takes precedence over the other. But it really seems like somehow you've managed to blend the two, you know, and this is how you kind of live your life. Um, if if there are others, you know, that are trying to go through something like this, what kind of, um, what kind of advice would you give them? Um, because it seems like you've pulled through, you know, a lot of what you've gone through with the loss of your parents, um, the self-reflection in terms of, you know, your need to, to achieve, but then also fast forwarding, um, in this, this, transformation of mindset of taking that, you know, strength from inside and using it to really help others and focusing on others. Um, what, what kind of lessons have you learned out of this? Yeah. You know, I think first off, I would say to anybody that's listening five years ago, you, you, this would not be the conversation I'm having because I don't think I had had the chance at that point to truly make sure that who I am bleeds over in all aspects of my life, you know, and, and to your point about being an attorney, there was a period where I was absolutely, I was a litigator. I was the typical, you know, had to be the aggressive attorney. So who I was at work was a completely different person than who I was at home. And, and it was really that moment of being fully overwhelmed um, which which was from from trying to live out so many different personas that I realized that you've you've got to know who you are, be true to yourself, and then let that overflow into every aspect of life. Um, you know, it, whether it be work, whether it be community service I have with the town, whether it be again coaching my kids, whether it be mentoring them at home, I really realized I need to fully understand who I am and what I stand for. And then that can't just be a facade that gets put on when I'm home and taken off when I go to work. For me to fully, fully live my purpose and feel fulfilled, I need to be able to live that out in everything that I do. And I need to not be afraid to live that out in everything that I do. And um, for me, uh, it's, it's absolutely worked out. That is awesome advice. <laughs> I love that. Just looking back, though, um, you said, you know, five years ago, you may not be in the, the same position to have this conversation. But let's rewind it even a little bit further to maybe um, 20 years. I'm very, very young, <laughs> Brent. <laughs> um, <laughs> and if you could write a, a postcard to yourself, you know, 20 years ago, um, to a younger self, what would that postcard say and why? Yeah, I think that's awesome. Um, first of all, I'd probably tell myself it's okay to go ahead and get the ear pierced, um, even though it still <laughs> is there today. <laughs> but, but you know, I, I would say first, I would tell myself, don't be afraid to put yourself out there. You know, we all have things we want to do and things we want to achieve, but fear can hold us back. 
And the only way that we're ever going to get past the fear is to do. And so I tell myself, do more. Every time you, you experience fear, just do it. And the fear will work itself out. So I, I think that would be the first piece of advice I give myself. Um, I, the second thing I would, I would say, and this is a quote attributed to many people, but it's, it's you can have anything you want, but you can't have everything you want. Again, I, I spent many years of my life wanting so many different things that that I, I I was moving forward, but not as as far forward and as focused as I could have been if I were just focused on what I wanted most. Um, and then lastly, I would I would tell myself never miss an opportunity to show somebody else love. Um, I think you know, love is the most abundant free resource on earth, but so many people on a daily basis, don't feel it. And so anything that you can do to make somebody else uh, feel love in their life, just do it and you're never going to regret it. Wow. <laughs> you really do need to pursue writing that book because I think you have so much wisdom to, to impart uh, and all very, you know, digestible. A couple of things that I really took away from this, um, and we've all heard, you know, things like this in, in different forms, but just simple three steps of truly, you know, creating transformation in your life. It all starts with clarity, right? Um, as Brent said, know who you are. Second, be true to yourself. And last but not least, let it overflow into all areas of your life, both personally and professionally. You know, you can't be two people. Um, you're, you're one and it's beautiful. So we would say that you definitely have the Como Factor, Brent. Thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. It has been phenomenal. Uh, it's it's great discussion. I look forward to uh, hearing this and many other podcasts from y'all. Thank you for listening to the Como Factor podcast today. We hope you got something out of our time together. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please follow us on social media, share it with your community, and give us a like. That's all for today. And until next time, don't forget that you've got the Como Factor.